When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of World Hockey Report, Thursday edition of Hashtag WHR. Good to see everyone here. How are we all doing today, guys? It is Thursday. It is hotter than you know what outside or my neck of the woods. Over 30 degrees, guys. It's so hot. I'm having iced coffee. That's how hot it is right now. It's incredible, guys, what's going on right now. But once again, we are live for these hot playoff action here from the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios. Be sure to follow us, guys, and get in the chat as well at World Hockey RPT on Twitter. And of course, thank you very much for watching us on the Hockey Podcast Network and 12 Ounce Sports. Be sure to get in the chat and have any questions for our guests today. We have a couple guests coming on. We'll get to our first guy here in just a moment's time, but we also have from the Daily Faceoff, Scott Burnside, joining us from his studios talking about the playoffs and all the crazy games last night. We'll look back at the games as well as preview tonight as well. We'll get into the Hart Trophy conversation with not just our first guest, but also with you guys later on here on World Hockey Report. A lot of game sixes tonight and a lot of great games we had last night. But with that, let us get to our first guest of the day. He's a gentleman that I've talked to before and a guy that you've probably heard before. He's been broadcasting so long that he remembers the Buffalo Bisons long before they were the Toronto Blue Jays affiliate. And also, he was the former broadcaster of University of Notre Dame hockey. He was also the former broadcaster of the, oh man, let's say Buffalo Bisons. He also broadcasted lots of minor league baseball. I'm trying to think of another team. I mean, the guy's, his extensive resume is long. Pretty sure if you were to look at a guy who has been able to bounce around as much as he has, you almost call him like the Vin Scully of hockey. He's done so much, and he's always been around <laughs> for a long time. I'm trying to give him some props here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the voice of the Nashville Predators since day numero uno. It's Pete Weber. Pete, how are we doing today, man? Well, thank you very much. And I just want to remind you that my comments today are brought to you by Farmer John, Eastern <laughs> Fed, Western, yes, that's my Vince Scully impression, and we will leave it at that. But thank you very much. Oh, man. I, I tell you what, that is a, a you know, Pete, I, I'd love to, I got to ask you, what, what is, looking back on your career, because the first time we talked, we tried to do as much as we could with the National Predators, but unfortunately, yeah. I myself, I'm a hockey historian. You know, what was your favorite stop along the way to the NHL? I mentioned Notre Dame because I myself, a little bit of a college guy. You even broadcasted hockey at the University of Buffalo, amongst other sports. You know, I guess what it, my question is for the folks that maybe are non-hockey fans as well, what is your favorite non-hockey broadcasting gig you've had in your long and storied career? Probably my 15 years doing Buffalo Bison baseball. Uh, and there were so many, and I still have so many friends from that era in my life that call me in the morning, uh, send a post to me. Uh, and I hear, from, matter of fact, I, just the other day, I sent out uh, an autographed baseball card of me from 1986 to some old wow. bison fans who now live here in Tennessee. Oh. So, uh, it's, uh, it's very intriguing to be sure. And, uh, those baseball times going back to the days of Moises, Alou, 
roaming the outfield in Buffalo. Uh, and you had, uh, we had a memorable comeback game that fell just short. How about you're in the playoffs? One went away from winning the series. Bison's at Denver. You go to the top of the ninth inning. You're down nine, nothing and being no hit. 32 oh. minutes later, 32 minutes later, the top of the ninth inning came to a close with what I will still assert to this day should have been the tying run improperly called out at the plate for the final out. Oh, this is long. And of course, long before review. So all you, uh, everyone, all it's only the, the umpire's eyes, which and right. as we've seen today in today's not just hockey, but also Angel Hernandez. I mean, baseball umpire sometimes. Well, I live, are- I live through Angel Hernandez in our American Association. But the umpire in question that particular night in Denver was named Scott Potter. Oh, man. See, that's why Pete's amazing. Pete, will, Pete knows every, like, Pete's one of those broadcasters that will remember individuals from certain events that probably the people on the field probably didn't even remember. That's what makes Pete one of the best and legendary in the game. Adam Bonilla jumps in the chat, Pete, saying that I live in Arizona. Oh. Trust me, I know what hot is. Pete, how warm, how, how hot is it right down in, in Smashville right now? It was about 81 when I just walked outside. You know, it's and bad when Michigan weather is warmer than Tennessee in the South. I mean, my yes. goodness, Pete. Yeah. It, and let's not talk about jet streams or any of that stuff as they try to bring science to us. You know, when it's just plain hot and uncomfortable. Uh, and I've had many nights like that in baseball broadcast booths over the years, including one night where I did 20 innings solo in Indianapolis back in 1986. At uh at Bush Stadium, right? Yes, yes, which is now a condominium development. Oh well, there. Hey, you know what? Did they call it the Bush Gardens? <laughs> they should. They should. They should. Right. Yeah. But no, and you know, what? actually, you're speaking of weather. Let's let's kind of go back here. We'll get to the the Preds season as a whole, and unfortunately, the early exit here in the playoffs. But let's, yeah. I want to go back to that stadium series game. You know, because yes. you know everyone. I remember because when we, last time we you and I chatted, we talked about the 2020 Winter Classic down at the Cotton Bowl. We thought how could that have worked in Texas? And then yeah. they said they're going to play in Nashville. I'm like, well, like at least it can get somewhat colder. What were the conditions like from your side of things for that outdoor game? There at Nissan Stadium, because some of us were kind of still a little skeptical with, you know, two Sunbelt teams playing in an outdoor game. But it seemingly looked like they were okay conditions. The conditions were okay, but we were concerned as that week turned on because it seemed like the rain would never stop. That they'd have to they'd have to build an arc to play the game on the arc and maybe float it down the Cumberland River. But as it turned out for about, I'm going to say, roughly two days before the game on Saturday. It came to an end, and they were able to get the ice, I think, in extraordinary shape. They had begun the ice construction progress process about 10 days beforehand, and uh, I have to give it to the NHL's ice crew. They did an outstanding job. They borrowed uh, some of our people as well from Bridgestone Arena, and I think something they learned from a Heritage Classic a few years ago in Calgary, get lighter Zambonis. Because oh, I know yeah. the, Zamb- the Zamboni at McMahon Stadium in Calgary um, was too heavy, and it cracked the ice. So they essentially had to go to the old-fashioned barrel and and uh, squeegee approach. Yeah, because I, I remember that, too, because well, because it was so cold, too. That was a thing. That, yes. that, of course, obviously a little bit different. But, yes, those outdoor games can get a little funny. I wonder if I'm going to see more of those electric Zambonis. When I was in St. Louis with, uh, with Peyton Turnage and I call in the ACHA Nationals, we had an electric Zamboni. It was the strangest yeah. thing ever because we were all sitting at each other looking at like, this is the quietest intermission we've ever had. What's going That's on? That's right. Here? So maybe 
Maybe the and NHL wanting to go green. That might be what they start doing yeah, for these. I'm afraid of electric cars because if you're a pedestrian, you can't hear them coming near you. And <laughs> that's right. Very Anyone same thing. A Tesla. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, it's it. This season, Pete, for the Preds, Peyton and I had this conversation. We've had it multiple times back before the season. And we just said to ourselves, like, you know what? We'll just see how competitive Nashville can be. Because going into this year, Pete, honestly, from my perspective, it's like, who knows what this team is? Because it was going right. to be the first year UC Saros was the true number one guy. And obviously, yes, they made the playoffs last year. But I don't know. It seemed like the result, at least, you know, through Christmas, all of a sudden we see Nashville leading the division up towards the top of the division standings. It almost was like a surprise that Nashville was as good as they were. Yes, they fell yeah. all the way back to the second wildcard spot. But what did you think about the team, how they were through the 82 games coming into the postseason? Well, first of all, last year in the 56-game schedule, the first yes. 28 were abysmal. The last 28 were very, very strong. And so they ended up uh, the last regular season weekend playing two games with Carolina and then six playoff games with Carolina. So they have a very good line on the Carolina Hurricanes, at least as they were constituted last year. So with that happening, I and that the how many teams they guys they run through in that roster that last year? I think it was uh, in the neighborhood of 50 some. And that's not, yeah. that, that's not off the grid too much from the other teams with COVID and the testing and so on and getting games postponed that they would run through. So this year they come to training camp and they get off to a, a very good start. Uh, and I was not necessarily anticipating that, but much of it was the result of the youth that had the chance to show themselves because of injuries and because of COVID in the previous season, where they really had the chance to come in and get the job done. Now, UC Saros was pretty much the number one goaltender the last half of the previous season. So he came in, I think, accustomed to that role, maybe not doing it over the course of an 82-game schedule. That was 56 last year. But I think he adjusted to it, accommodated very well. Too bad he had the injury with a week to go in the regular season. And then Tanner Janot. Here's a kid that scored 40 goals in junior hockey, and he went undrafted uh, with the Moose Jaw Warriors. And then he comes in and literally made a big impact uh, on the ice, uh, on the score sheet, uh, and with the whole team. This was a team that their stated goal was to become more difficult to play against. So if, if you lead the league in penalties, I think you accomplish that goal. And uh, th that they certainly did. But this year's team, uh, nobody anticipated the breakout year that Matt Duchesne had. And then along with him, a guy they more expect expect more from, Philip Forsberg did well too. And Ryan Johansson had a better season than he has had in a while. So it was really uh, injuries on defense or COVID problems on defense, but mostly injury that I think cost the club going down the stretch. They were pretty much able to keep their top four together, but numbers five and six on D uh, were alternated through quite a bit. And yeah, and that, that's going to happen sometimes because this is not obviously the same decor that we saw back in 2017. I mean, it, no, it, you know, no. Matthias Eckholm is the only one that's really left from that group. Well, but, there are seven players, seven players left from that group. Seven. Yeah. My gosh, it makes me feel old, Pete. I mean, yeah. that's now, five one of them. It's been five years since Smashville hit the yeah. really hit the hockey map in that Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And one of the guys who you wouldn't have thought of that was there because of, again, injuries on D at that time 
but five or six games for Alex Carrier. And then oh, yeah. he was forgotten about until the 56 game schedule of a year ago. Man, that was that was a that was a roller coaster of a ride because of course remember they went into the that playoff as the eighth seed, the numbers the number two wildcard team as well. So maybe right. some Preds fans thought, hey, we're gonna do it again. But yeah, I'll be honest with you, Pete. I I didn't I don't think I said Colorado in four. I think I said five. Because I think maybe, you know, it seems like in a series, especially in today's hockey, there's less likely to be sweeps because there's a little bit more parity in some mm-hmm. retrospects. But the one thing everyone agreed on, myself, everyone here at World Hockey Report, we all said this. If UC Saros doesn't get injured, it's a, Colorado might still win, but it's yeah. a much different series, right? Yes, and though I also have to point out, I think Connor Ingram played magnificently. Oh, 100%. He came on in that second game that, you know, pushed that to an overtime. And uh, by the way, I feel I felt sorry for the ESPN people who got their broadcast shuffled over to ESPNU mm-hmm. and uh, because of the triple overtime going on between the Penguins and the Rangers. Uh, and matter of fact, because of that, they didn't even have studio assistance until the second overtime intermission. I think. This yeah, yeah, I think that's something like that. Yeah. So that, that was. Uh, that was a very wacky night, but I got to tell you, I'm liking what I see now that I'm uh, uninvolved personally, but able to go across, whether it's ESPN or Turner, to watch their coverage. And I think it's been fantastic. Yeah, that, that's actually, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Glenn Kaplan jumping in there where he's talking about the Rangers and Pens, if you're watching on the YouTube channels right now. Glenn, we'll get to that when we talk about the those games a little bit later on. Chatting here with Pete Weber, the longtime, the original play-by-play voice of the National Predators as well. How do you think, well, we will touch back on the Predators here, but you bring up a good point. The American coverage, the TV coverage, yeah. obviously the new deal, detail deals with Disney and Turner bringing games to TNT and TBS, and then, of course, the ESPN family and networks. You know, people have been, have been a little, there's been some criticism towards it. What, what do you like about it, I guess, is the big question, because there, there's some people that are critical maybe of the talent, the way it's presented. What is, what is your take on it? The biggest problem I have had has been the sound and uh, being a person who was very cognizant of that being a, a radio guy. Now the last six years, I don't like it when the, uh, the effects overwhelm the announcers. And that happened a little bit early on. I think part of that is that the audio engineers don't wear cans. They don't wear headphones in the truck. Yeah. They listen to blasting speakers and think that's what exactly is going out. I think they they would do a be more serving of the audience if they were to put the cans on and really listen very carefully. The other thing, I mean, I think it's outstanding. And having you know been a, a almost a solo act on occasion here when we're on the road, to have the studio backup, which I think is incredibly important. And I and I got to give PK Subban a nice round of applause for his work last night. Oh yeah, I, I knew he was capable of it. And last night he demonstrated it, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, that was one thing. I, I mean, because remember, wasn't it one year uh, when Nashville was eliminated early? He ended up doing, he had like hosted like a show, like almost like a talk show. Yes, he did. Yeah, it, it was after when they won the president's trophy and then uh, won the first round against Colorado and lost in game seven at home that's, to Winnipeg. That's right. I remember that game. So why win the president's trophy, right? So Exactly. Well, tell Florida that right now. They're they're okay mm-hmm. at this point, but we'll talk about that later on. Adam chimes in saying, if Nashville would have gotten one point at the end of the season, they wouldn't have played Colorado. 
That'd be, that's an interesting take if they had played yes. Calgary instead because, yes, the Avalanche are really good. But what is your take on the Avs, Pete? Because I'll be honest with you. Yes, there were the two more lopsided games, we could say. But yeah. in the two games where Ingram really stood on his head, it looked like the Colorado Avalanche had those, I don't want to say those weaknesses, but what we've seen from them in the past couple of playoffs where if things don't go their way, they don't necessarily look like they're in sync with each other because yeah. like I say, I, I still think Nashville could have had game two. Like it was that close because well, yes. Connor Ingram for one, but it seemed like the Preds were doing just the right things to kind of get Colorado off their game. I thought, and I think the Connor Ingram story is fantastic is his parents who split the ambulance driving uh, chores in his hometown in Saskatchewan had driven down and took him 15 hours or something to get there. And Connor was aware of how nervous his mother gets. So he didn't tell them when they had dinner the night before game two, that he was going to get the start. He wanted them a relaxed, nice, relaxed dinner. Uh, He looked relaxed. How could he have been as much as he had to face in that game too? And I thought that was a fantastic story right there, but Yes, Colorado, I you know, it was like when the Preds did sweep Chicago in round one in 2017, where I was very thankful while in the United Center, not once did I have to hear Chelsea Dagger because it was Pecorino shutting them out both games as they took the two games to none lead and ultimately swept that series. And when there is a Stanley Cup playoff series sweep, something odd has to happen. And that's what happened there. They were able to shut down that Chicago attack. And really, Chicago hasn't been the same since. Now, Colorado has survived the first round. They only had to play four games. That should be a big boost for them going forward, particularly when the theory was going in, and I'm not so sure it's wrong. The winner of St. Louis, Minnesota, could be a pretty beat-up hockey team. Holy cow. I mean, that that series, Pete, and you know this well as anyone, it's looking like how the North Stars and Blues used to play. Yes. Back in the day at the, yeah. you know, the Met in Chicago and the Met in St. Louis Arena, like two teams that just try to knock each other out every single time. And it, and it seemed like it was just this, it, it was all, and it's an exciting series, but it just seems like it's one yeah. way or the other. Either one team wins big or the other doesn't. Right, right. And, uh, you know, that comeback uh, powered by Vladimir Tarasenko in the third period the other night was uh, something to behold after we thought. Kirill Kaprizov was uh, taking over the headlines for that game. Yeah, that was, oh man, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of that series goes too. But let's, let's, let's look at forward here for Nashville. Yes. What in your eyes, what does David Poyle need to do? Because I, myself, I, the first thing I see is Philip Forsberg's contract. Yes. Yes. What do you think Poyle's main focus has to be? And is it get this team better? Or is it just kind of see where we are, go, like try to maybe just do one or two small things to retool, as he likes to say? Well, the key is because of the room under the salary cap that was created by last summer's trades, and that includes Ryan Ellis uh, going off to Philadelphia, did create some more room for him. Uh, I hope he resigns Philip Forsberg. I've enjoyed uh, watching him develop here from a, being a, a he wasn't a 98-pound weakling when he came over from Washington, but he is much stronger now. Those reverse hits he throws oh, yeah. are just devastating, absolutely devastating. And here he found the uh, the back of the net over 40 times this year. 
And I think, you know, you don't want to give up scoring like that for a guy who is just so skilled, immensely skilled. And so what do you do? You might have to find another winger or two. Uh, there's some youngsters I know they want to see develop. Tomasino, for example. Yakov Trenin was a tremendous developmental story this year, along with his fellow winger on the beast line, uh, when you think about that in Tanner Janot. And the other thing about Tanner Janot that you have to know is pretty soon, I think his mother is going to bake, break out into a baking extravaganza. She made cheesecakes for us two weeks ago that were absolute killers. I mean, not that I need them, but uh, I sure enjoyed them. And uh, everybody else did in the media room, too. What is it with with certain hockey moms that or even moms? And I get, is it just a mom thing in general that I'm not yeah. quite a thing a thing with yet, even though I grew up playing hockey? It just seems like there is this certain thing of where like there's one mom on every team that yes. like some moms will bring the donuts from the local store the, or yeah. from the gas station. But then there's the one mom that will go out of her way to just light like exquisite meals and all this stuff. Like there's always one on every team. Yeah, and I think we see more of them come out of the Western Hockey League, like Tanner Janot, because they have those long, and I mean long, bus trips for the most part, and it might be more likely to happen there. So now let's just see uh, what happens with uh, you know mothers taking care of that. And we have seen, I th- and I've seen that you know with baseball too, with travel baseball. There are some long treks in those uh, oh, yeah. Ford minivans. It's right where you it's like where you have to be like fed all the time because it does add up. I mean, shoot, that's why my wife and I, whenever we travel, if we're staying like in North America, we get America, we get Airbnb. I'm like, hey, we can make our own food. Sounds a lot cheaper. Yes. We've been chatting up here with Pete Weber right now. And Pete, I, you know, I got to ask you because I'm sure sure everyone's wanting to know your thoughts on this. The Hart Trophy conversation, uh, the Mm -hmm. Hart Trophy nominee, excuse me, came out today. The trio, the candidates, Austin Matthews, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Connor McDavid, the Edmonton Oilers and Igor Shosturkin of the New York Rangers. Now, you have a guy on your team that's also nominated for the Norris Trophy, and some people say Kale McCarr for Norris. I, mainly because I look at the term defenseman as (laughs) as an actual title, and you have yourself a guy on your team that can both play in his own zone pretty well. He's only the captain of your team. And, oh, by the way, he's led, he's, he's done something, Pete, that Bobby Orr couldn't even do. He's led his team in scoring now for three straight seasons. Yeah. Why is Roman Yossi not one of these three guys? I don't know. And I got to tell you something else. I think that maybe what we found out in the first, in this playoff series, maybe there's another guy on this team that should be considered for that. Where are they without UC Saros in goal? Do they even make the playoffs? So when you have a couple of candidates from the same team, that really does no good for either of the candidates because it splits the vote up. And uh, so, but I think the conversation is very interesting and to see where they truly do rank in terms of the league. But I have no arguments against those three Hart Trophy finalists. Have they, they've not um, released the names of the Lindsay Award finalists, have they yet? Because that's the, the player's vote on the similar trophy. Correct. I think because the, the players vote on I think they had to put their votes in the players did the, from the PA. I yeah. think they had to do that already. Um, that's going to be tough, too, because the problem oh. is with the Ted Lindsay Award. It's like it just seems like, hey, McDavid, it's it's that seemed like the easy pick for all of those guys. But yeah, I mean, what is your take, by the way, 
Uh, City Life Project jumps in saying, Chelsea, Chelsea Dagger gives me PTSD, Canucks fan there. And of course, <laughs> Nashville knows all that about that. Maybe yes. a little too well you, that you guys and St. Louis. It goes back uh, to game five in 2010, oh. where the Predators had a lead going in the final minutes. And number one, I really think that Marion Hosa should have been ejected for the game for a hit on Dan Hamhus. Remember, well, don't forget, it was 2010, Pete. (laughs) Rule 48 was a a new thing back then. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And then, but the Predators had the lead. They coughed the puck up. Patrick Kane gets a breakaway to tie the game. And then as Hosa's major penalty expires, he comes out of the box and scores the game winner in overtime. That was more into the background of how I enjoyed not hearing Chelsea Dagger seven years later. Oh, man, I, I couldn't like and uh, you know, my dad grew up a Wings fan. I was born a Wings fan. So mm-hmm. hearing Chelsea Dagger when it first came in was like, what song is this? And then you then the Wings played them back to back years in the well, two years in the playoffs in 2013. My dad, he, he hates that song, too. I nowadays as an as a kind of an alternative rock fan, I think, hey, it's a good song. But yes. I know there are some people that literally will like I, I'm that way with the Boston Bruins, Goalhorn and Zombie Nation. I hear that and I just I get a little <laughs> timid still because it's the loudest Goalhorn ever. The New England Patriots use it for third downs because apparently yeah. you need a apparently you need a Goalhorn Pete in football nowadays to let people know, hey, it's third down. Yes. I, to that, alert them, yes. Oh man, it's so annoying. But uh, City Life Project says Saros is the top three goaltender in the league. Vasilevsky, Markstrom, and Saros. End of conversation. Yeah. What do you think about that, Pete? I, that's a pretty good class right there, eh? So it's an excellent class, absolutely excellent class. And then you could probably include more. It's kind of like all the conversations I've had with my brethren of the broadcasters about when we submitted our ballots, uh, you know, ten days ago uh, for the Jack Adams Trophy. And there are probably, as I've gone through these conversations, eight legitimate candidates to win that Coach of the Year award. And uh, I think that we we talked earlier about parity, and I think that has really crept into much of the award conversation in the league right now. And that, and I guess it's a good thing to have in hockey because you look back, you, you go to the 90s, I mean, we had Patrick Waugh, we had Marty Berdur, we had Mike Richter, we had Mike Vernon. I mean, the, the list was long. I mean, there was a, there was no real, well, I mean, there were some bad goaltenders, but there was in a, a very big elite class. And yep. I mean, obviously, big, hey, if we have that former, you know, goaltender union card carrying member here, I'm okay with that. Uh, last thing we we'll let you go here, Pete. I got. Well, I want to say one thing about the 90s. Oh, go ahead. I, I was spoiled for a couple of years with the Sabres from this guy named Dominic Hasek. I oh, mean, he oh, was duck. Just, how did I forget? How, I'm embarrassed. I'm going to go see you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't be embarrassed. But I mean, it, it also tells you about the wealth of talent at the position. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do the things that he did. I just wish he could have started his career over here a little bit earlier than he did and not be pushed aside by a guy named Ed Belfour in Chicago. Uh, do you, okay. Well, uh, quickly on that, do you think that was Ed Belfour? Or do you think that was the guy behind the bench who was a little wonky, a little wonky? I'm trying uh, to be generous here, Pete. Okay. I, I don't know if he's listening. I don't know if Pete or if Mike Keenan's a fan of world hockey report yet. Well, we'll find out. But, uh, and I worked with Mike when he was with the Rochester Americans and they won the Calder trophy. Oh Calder yeah. That's Cup, right. Before he went to Philly in 83. Uh, yeah, he could be a little wonky, but he helped change some rules right now. No longer can. He, you know, rapidly switch goaltenders during the course of a game and allow them a warm up every time they come on. 
So I guess that probably saved me a few commercial reads uh, over the course of the years. My goodness. But, I, I tell you, Mike Keenan, like there, I know there's a book and he actually, I asked my check, he had a podcast on the hockey news. Like it's, it's so funny because as a broadcaster, he's all nice and calm. He's critical, yes. but he's, you know, he's not crazy. But then you see him in a game and it's like back in the day, he, whew, like yeah, he, and he, he it's was suspended, fined. I, he's probably the most fined and suspended coach in the league in the league's history, right? It's got a chance. And there was a book that was in the works, but unfortunately, the the co-author Jay Greenberg passed away, oh. and Jay was working on that when he passed. Man, that w- that would be a book that I would read in a heartbeat. Uh, last thing before I let you go here, Pete, because obviously we've talked about the heart, we talked about the Preds and their unfortunate early exit. But of the teams that are remaining, even though there's a lot of teams that could get knocked out tonight and tomorrow yes. here in round one with a hair's chance of possibly four game sevens on Saturday. First time that would happen since like 92, I think it was. What do you, who do you think is going to win it all? Who do you think is the best team? Obviously, you got to see the best team in the West in the first yes. round there. But who is your pick to win the Stanley Cup? I'm really going to go with that team that beat the Predators. Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they just went through their their big test of sweeping through the first round, taking care of business each stride or step of the way, however you wish to put it. And out of the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, heading in, you know, because a year ago we were in the same division with Florida, Tampa, Carolina, etc. Those top three teams were absolutely incredible, and I got a great deal of respect for what has happened uh, in Florida. And the guy who scored the first goal in Predators history, I think, is doing okay as the guy who replaced Joel Quenville at head coach with that club. I think uh, Andrew Burnett, who some of our fans here in derisive terms would talk about his lack of speed on the ice and called him old square wheels. Well, old square wheels is doing pretty well. Mr. Expansion Draft. That's Andrew. Yeah. There's, I don't know if, like, even in the the expansion era of the 60s and the 70s, I don't think there's been ever been a guy that's been taken three straight years. Right. Like, right. Nash, he went to Nashville, Atlanta, right. and Minnesota in three years. Like, I think the CBA would not allow that this time around <laughs> if that ever happened, but that's, well, that's a good Well, my longtime question. broadcast partner, Terry Crisp, was an original expansion St. Louis Blue, an original New York Islander, and then played for the first expansion team to win the cup in Philadelphia in back-to-back years, and then was the first coach of the expansion Tampa Bay Lightning, and then came here to join me with the expansion Nashville Predators. He's another Mr. Expansion candidate. Wow, I did not know that, because I, I remember he was with Nashville from the get-go and that he'd won the cup uh, with Calgary. Right. And I just, like, that's still the the crazy stories, like, like, like does Terry Terry's got to have a book, right? Or do we need to have him on the show for two hours and talk with him? Like, what do we two? need to do with him, Pete? I, I think you need to get him on. Now, I'll probably have to engineer it at this end, but I would be happy to help. Oh my gosh, Pete Weber and Terry Chris on World Hockey Report, sign me up, and we'll that may have to be a pay per view <laughs> show, Pete. It'll be so big and so much fun. All right, all right. We have been chatting here with Pete Weber. Pete, thank you very so much for taking the time today. Thank you very so much. Thank you so very much for joining us today on here on World <laughs> Hockey Report. I need to finish the rest of this iced coffee here before my tongue falls down in my throat. Well, uh, you have to Pete, be careful thank- not to get too much caffeine in you, right? There's well, there is so much there is such thing as too much caffeine, but there's that perfect right amount that That's just right. it helps us carry our broadcast, right? You need to find that that nice little niche. Be sure to follow him, guys, at Pete Weber Sports. He's got a beautiful picture with him and the Hanson brothers on it. You can't miss him. Follow him for all the best 
Preds updates, and Buffalo sports history as well. Pete, thank you very much for taking the time thank as you. always, sir. And you know what? If we don't talk to you before the end of the for next season, enjoy the summer. I know it's we'll a little do. early, but enjoy it. Will do. But just so everybody knows, that picture with the Hanson brothers was taken at the site of one of the parts in the movie. It was taken at the old Onondaga War Memorial in Syracuse. Oh, that's New right. York. So uh, we were all together that night, and uh, I'm glad to see Stevie Carlson is recovering from yes. his bout with cancer. Thank you. Thank you, Pete, and we will definitely keep in touch for sure. That is none other than Pete Weber. Uh, Pete, you can just kind of duck out there whenever you're ready there. I, I will hit that leave button if that's okay. All right, go ahead. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely keep in touch with the great Pete Weber indeed for sure because he he's one of the best guys, if you ask me personally, because I've listened to him. So quick side story here before we move along, too much, or move along here. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have Angel Center Ice growing up. And we will get to um, some more of the chat here in just a second. When we start talking about the last night's games, but I had an NHL center ice growing up, and there were sometimes like I'd watch like if, if the Red Wings were like because with the Red Wings were playing, my dad had the TV. I didn't get a choice. But other nights I'd watch the Leafs. I would watch the Rangers. I'd try to get you know Minnesota if I could if it was if it was an early enough game that they were playing on the West Coast. But I'd always get Nashville because Nashville would always play at like eight o'clock or seven thirty right? Central time or Eastern time. They'd be six thirty, seven o'clock uh, central time there. And I was fortunate enough to have that ability to watch those games. And at the time Pete was on t- television. So I got to him, hear him and, and Terry Chris for, for a, a while there, which was always fun indeed. So let's get to uh last section. Let's take a quick pause here. Let's, let's reconvene here after the lovely talk. When we come back here on world hockey report, we will be chatting it up about the Games last night. Glenn Kaplan, if you're still in there, we're going to get to your, uh, obviously, the Sidney Crosby hit that leaves him questionable for tomorrow night's Game 6 and more here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top of the line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a pro rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20. And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report. Tyler Kuehl here, the insider of the insiders on this Tuesday, Thursday. What day is it? Thursday. It's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Thirsty Thursdays here on World Hockey Report, where we... <laughs> that's the stupidest way to bring it back from a break. Uh, by the way, if you just missed, we had a chat there with Pete Weber of the Nashville Predators talking about, well, everything from the Predators and their elimination to the, from the Colorado Avalanche or by the Colorado Avalanche and minor league baseball in Indianapolis and Buffalo. So we had a, certainly a chat. Make sure you check that out if you were able, if you missed it. Um, let's get to the games last night. We're obviously going to be joined here in about 20 minutes time by Scott Burnside from Daily Faceoff. We'll go into a little bit more of those games with him indeed and get you teed up for tonight's games as well. But guys, I got to remind you that it is Stanley Cup playoff time and in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use the promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use the promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20, which, you know what? Some people say 20 bucks ain't a whole lot, but I can tell you right now, if you want to go to a Toronto Maple Leafs game right now, it's like $450. And I can tell you, it's easier to pass by with the misses when you say $430 because it ain't $450. That's a good way to look at it, kids. Compromise. It's the best part about being in relationships and stuff like that. I know you heard that. She's actually, uh, so I guess, I don't say programming. No, I'm actually not going to be on TQL Tuesday this coming Tuesday because I will be in Mauritius with the misses. We're going to go on vacation. So she's packing right now frantically. We leave tomorrow morning out of Chicago. Uh, let's get to... Some of the some of you guys that are guys and gals that are jumping in the chat here. Jack Eichel is Jacob's daddy. Jacob loves THPN. Thank you very much, Jake. Jack Jacob's dad. You, Jack, for <laughs> loving THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network, which is one of the outlets you can watch World Hockey Report, not just at World Hockey RPT on Twitter, but also 12 ounce sports as well. Let's go Bolts and Panthers, he says. He wants all Florida in round two. He wants chaos in the Sunshine State. We're going to get back to a comment here that Glenn Kaplan threw out here. Glenn Kaplan saying, Jacob Truba is a dirty player. The fact he wasn't fined or suspended by the NHL is a joke. So let's get into that game. We'll get Scott Burnside's thoughts here in a little bit. But I gotta, we got to discuss this because it's Sidney Crosby gets hit in last night's game. The Pittsburgh Penguins are up 2-0. They get a great start. They get on Shesterkin early and often, and they do exactly what they need to do. But... Halfway through the second period, Crosby's going towards the goal. Puck's bouncing around. Truba steps up and tries to hit him. Truba catches him in the head with a an elbow. If you haven't seen the clip yet, go back and watch it. It doesn't seem like a superbly dirty hit. It doesn't seem awful. Uh, but I, I tell you, it was... 
I can see where the skepticism comes in for this hit. I can see why people are angry that Jacob Truba got nothing for this. Uh, Glenn said, I'm going to, he had a little bit of a long comment here, so I'm going to try to paraphrase here. The New York sports radio hosts are pathetic about talking hockey. They need to stick to baseball and the New York Yankees over there. Hey, the New York Mets are over there too, you know. Uh, so many things wrong with the Department of NHL or the player safety in the NHL, period. Glenn and I agree on that. George Peros being let go by now would be a joke, or by now, joke. Uh, would Crosby sue the NHL for concussions? Um, a lot of other things going in there. If you scroll down in the chat, you can see the whole thing. I don't know if we're going to go too far into that, Glenn, but I, I will say this. I can see why people are angry about the hit because I think what I see is I see Truba step up and I see his elbow out because Truba, yes, he, he can be a little bit greasy sometimes. Uh, BC Hockey Podcast, great show. Thank you very much, guys, for jumping in the chat there. I, I, can, I can see why people are angry about it i don't i don't see a suspension there because it doesn't seem deliberate and if for a reference we can go back to the tj oshi hit on sam bennett in the florida washington series back in game four because that was a hit or was it game four uh game four yeah it was game four because i see that hit and i say to myself "Ooh, that that could have been that could have been questionable because it was a blindside hit but it's just the way he turned that's why oshi didn't get any supplemental discipline I think the the reasoning could be behind it, but I don't, I I think I just call it a sloppy play. Truba tries to hit him; his arms are out. Crosby ran into his elbow, and if you want me to go full Don Cherry here, you can blame the elbow pads for this because the elbow pads made nowadays are harder than a rock. I mean, my goodness, I've I've literally held sledgehammers that have softer ends than some of these elbow pads. Let me tell you what. So I can see why people are angry about it, but let's be honest; it really turned the tide of that hockey game. Because not too much later, long later, three goals in under three minutes for the Rangers. They take the lead. Gensel does tie the game up. But Philip Hedl, Philip Hedl scoring his first Stanley Cup playoff goal. I don't know what I can say about this game other than the fact that it was wonky. Last night itself was wonky. Because we saw Calgary get held off the score sheet for what seemed like forever. For almost 50 minutes. And then we saw, but before that, we saw a three nothing comeback and a two nothing comeback, three goals in two minutes. Last night's hockey was insane. So, to to Glenn's point, yes, I can see why you're angry. And you know what? If Austin Matthews were to be hit or Connor McDavid were to be hit, I think those fan bases would probably get a little bit angry as well. It's hard for me though to say it's a this it's a suspendable hit because of this. And we are joined right off the hop. We're going to take a quick break, folks, because this man deserves a better introduction than him just jumping on. We'll be right back here with Scott Burnside from the Daily Faceoff here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. 
Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Take your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win. And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report here on this Thursday edition of World Hockey Report. Thank you all very much for joining us here on at World Hockey RPT on Twitter, as well as 12 Ounce Sports and the Hockey Podcast. Now, be sure to jump in the chat to talk with this guy right next to me here. He is from Daily Faceoff. He is the guy that needs a better introduction than me saying hello. His name is uh, his name is this guy. He is the co-host of the Suitcase and Scribe podcast with Mike McKenna. It is Scott Burnside. Scott, how are we doing today, sir? I'm uh, doing very well. Thanks for having me aboard. Actually, we're catching you're catching me a few hours before game six in Tampa. So uh, taking in my first uh, possible elimination game of the uh, playoff year. And uh, it's been a while since I've been back to, uh, to Amelie Arena. So I know it's going to be rocking there tonight. This is a very interesting night here because I was mentioning this when we had we had Pete Weber on from the National Predators a little bit longer. And we and the, the discussion came up of 1992. Scott, do you remember what happened in that opening round that year in the Eastern Conference? 1992. Um, no, I don't. So, I, I'm old yeah. enough that I should remember, but maybe old enough that I've my memory's not as good as it used to be. So uh, down goes Brown and Sean McIndoe, the athletic, the athletic there. He likes to write these odd stories every so often. He wrote the story about how on one day, I think it was a Saturday or a Sunday, that there were four, all four of Eastern Conference series went to game seven. 
all four of them. And obviously with the, what we're setting up here tonight, Scott is not just the Eastern conference, but there is a chance that all four games that we played tonight might not be the last game in this series. Obviously we have the, we have Boston and Carolina. That's going to be a, that's been a series that's been all home teams so far, Toronto and Tampa, the game you're attending tonight. We have Minnesota taking on St. Louis with a wild season on the line. And of course, all of Northern Alberta holding their seats and grinding their teeth as they go down to LA the Oilers and Kings game six there. LA can ch- clinch tonight. Do you think there's a chance that all these games go to seven or all these series go to seven games? Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 that's not what I would have picked <laughs> at the beginning of the playoffs, but no, I, I think the way, you know, this first round has been so difficult to handicap really. And it's been, you know, and, and to me, at least, I, you know, the hockey, it got a little, it got pretty, we got some drama last night. So on the Wednesday night with the big comeback by the Panthers and Rangers coming back, and of course, Sidney Crosby getting hurt in that game, um, you know, Calgary coming back from a third period deficit as well. But for the most part, there's been a lot of not compelling hockey this spring. And, you know, there's been a lot of blowouts, you know, this, uh, uh, this Toronto-Tampa series, up until Game 5, really, the games weren't close at all. And they've gone back and forth, of course, with, um, you know, Toronto winning and then losing and going back and forth. Uh, you know, but the games themselves have been, you know, there hasn't been a lot of compelling, you know, what would the uh, Oilers beat Kings, what, 8-2? to two? And it's just yeah. a lot of games that have been out of hand. And I think part of that is... Um, a, there's a lot of penalties being called, which I'm all for. You know, we can't complain about the standard. And, you know, when they call the standard, you're getting lots of penalties. You can't complain about it. I, I think it's – I just hope they keep it up for the rest of the playoffs. Because I do think teams – and maybe you're starting to see this now, even in late in the first round. Teams will adjust. So I think you're going to see – I think you'll see fewer and fewer penalties because I think players understand that the standards are being enforced. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm – getting all the way back to your question. Um, and so in, you know, wouldn't surprise me if all those teams that are against the wall um, do force a, a seventh game. Now, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Leafs handle the pressure, right? Because it's not just about eliminating the two time defending Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. It's about trying to erase the, um, you know, 18 years of playoff futility, uh, you know, 2004 is a long time ago. And that's the last time the Leafs won a, a playoff series. And I, they can say whatever they want, but that has to weigh on them. That's part of the narrative of the team. So I'm curious to see, you know, cause I don't know, you know, Edmonton faces a lot of pressure too, because listen, they should not be down to LA. Like LA's played great. The Oilers should are a good enough team that they should not be in this position. So there's a lot of pressure there, but nothing compared to what I think the Leafs are going to feel going on to the ice tonight. And that, and that's why I honestly, that's, you know, it, it, my prediction was wrong, but I did pick LA in five because I feel like Edmonton and Ed, I know Edmontonians hate being compared to Toronto in any sense of the word, but that seems like the case is where Edmonton has this superpower team, these high, this high offensive team, but the playoffs come around and things start to not go their way. But, I mean, that is the story tonight right now in Tampa is it's not will the Tampa Bay Lightning keep their season alive. It's can the Toronto Maple Leafs do the thing and actually get out of the first round. And, you know, everyone's trying to act. You know, I get it. Everyone's trying to be loosey-goosey. They're trying to say, oh, it's okay. It's, you know, it's just another game. The players are putting it that. But they've been in this situation before. They were there last year, up 3-1 on Montreal. 
Yeah, the quali- the qualifying round was a little interesting with Columbus, but they were up 3-2 in their last series against Boston three years ago. This is a spot that has been the Achilles heel for the Leafs now for the last little bit of finishing out series and moving on. Well, four years in a row, they've had eliminate. They've had the chance. They've they've been in a position win and go on. And and you're right, they haven't got it done. And I think, you know, I I do believe the I believe the narrative that teams have to learn to win. You I you know Tampa, you know, win 62 games gets swept by. Columbus. So you do have to learn. And, and, and I, so I believe that, but man, this, I mean, this is such a litmus test for Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Morgan Riley, uh, William Nylander, uh, certainly John Tavares. And and, uh, those guys, I thought really stepped to the fore in game five, the F O R E not F O U R, but, uh, because they hadn't played all that well um, in, in allowing Tampa back in the series. Um, and then of course got down to nothing and looked terrible really through the most of the first period. And, you know, it's interesting to hear the reports after about how Jason Spezza was so instrumental in really sort of galvanizing that room and, uh, you know, having spent a year in Dallas and, and getting to know Jason pretty well, I, I'm not at all surprised by that. And, you know, he's, I, he's a guy, you know, you, you want, there were certain people that you think, geez, boy, would be nice if they got a chance to win or if they had success. And Jason Spetz is one of those guys. But, you know, this is really going to come down to, you know, the leaders leading. Um, you know, it's a cliche, but, it, you know, it's something that hasn't really happened for the Leafs in these critical moments. So um, and I don't think, again, you don't know what will happen. I don't like the least chances of going home to face Tampa in a game seven. I just don't. And so the chance to put them away in game six. Man, it won't get any. It won't get any sweeter for them. That's for sure. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, because I'll I look back at that 2019 series and the way they lost at Game Six. That was at home, of course, before going back to Boston in Game Seven. I just said, I'm like, why am I even watching this game? It's good. we. It was like inevitable that they were going to lose another Game Seven in Boston. Of course, they didn't have a lead though, like that, Scott. Remember, it wasn't like 2013, thankfully. Uh, a yeah. lot of the people in the chat before you came on here, Scott, we were t- discussing last night's game. In at Madison Square Garden. Well, let's let's start on that one from last night. <clears throat> Rangers they fall behind early. Jake Ensel, Chris Otang goals, and it just seems like the air is out at MSG. Yeah. But then Crosby gets bumped. Uh, by, he gets hit. He gets hit. Doesn't look awful at first, but then you watch it over and over again. You say, "Oh, that could be bad." And that I don't know if say that sparked the Rangers, but eighty-seven off the ice, and then. All of a sudden, the Rangers find this thing that they've been able to do a lot this season. That's score goals. They score three goals in 242, and it helps propel them to keep their season alive. First, before we get to the Rangers comeback, what is your thoughts on the Jacob Truba hit on Sidney Crosby? A lot of people are calling for suspension. I'm not. What is your take? Yeah, well, and I think it's pretty clear that the Department of uh, Player Safety isn't going to rule against uh, Jacob Truba, and I think you know, I've, I've taken a pretty close look at it, and I know uh, my good friend Frank Cervalli at the Daily Faceoff, I thought, did a great job of breaking it down. And I, I just don't think it meets the standard for um, for a suspendable action. It's it's unfortunate is what it is, and that goes without saying if you're a Penguins fan or if you're a hockey fan at all, you know, to see Sidney Crosby with his history of concussions and all that he's been through in his career. Um, but I don't think there was a you know, malicious intent by Truba. Truba's a hard player, right? He, he's, he plays that line 
But in this case, um, you know, it's, it's actually, he's, you can see he's got his stick out. He's trying to get stick on puck, follows through. Um, I, yeah, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I'm sure Penguin fans are, are upset and I'm, it's, you know, it's an incredibly emotional thing. He's one of the best, he's one of the greatest players of all time and playing at an exceptional level in this series. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, you can definitely draw a line from A to B, you know, and Sidney Crosby's not on the ice. The Rangers are able to, to take advantage of that. And I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure, in, you know, on that Pittsburgh bench, you're like, oh, when, you know, because you, you're worried about your captain, you're worried about all that he represents on a human level. You hope he's going to be okay. Um, so, I, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't, I mean, it was a bit surprising the manner in which it happened, but I don't think given how well Sidney Crosby has been playing, that people should be surprised by the fact that, that they, the Penguins were deflated and that the Rangers did take advantage. That, the, you know, the critical part now is what happens in game six? Can Crosby come back? And if he can't, can the Penguins sort of regroup themselves and, and, and play the way that we've seen in, in building that 3-2 series lead? It, it's going to be hard, though, because um, Crosby has been elite. And, you know, it, it's going to be up to the other guys, Malkin and Gensel and Rust, and go down the list. Jeff Carter, um, it, it, it's, it's got check time for the Penguins because, like every other team, you don't want to be playing game seven in Madison Square Garden. No. We, I, I was fortunate enough to talk with uh, John Walton, the radio voice of the Capitals on Tuesday, and uh, we talked about 2014 a little bit there too. So he, he knows all too well, unfortunately, about that game seven at MSG. Uh, 12 on sports uh, put in the comments there. That actually I heard too. Uh, Radim Zahorna is getting called up by the Penguins. Now that I, there's nothing been nothing confirmed yet in regards to Sidney Crosby, but there's obviously a lot of speculation. We're not going to say anything, but yes, to where we were talking here with Scott Burnside of Daily Faceoff with, there is a history with number 87 and concussions. So we'll obviously keep our eyes and ears open on that. Let's move to Sunrise, Florida. Or, well, the series that's now moving back to Washington, D.C. It's last night at FLA Live. I'm watching the game, Scott, and I see that the Capitals are up 3-0, and John Walton is getting everything he asked for. A good start, a good game. T.J. Oshie's got a pair of goals. It looks like Washington's doing exactly what they need to do, taking advantage of Florida's mistakes. I go out to let the dog. I come back, and it's 3-1, and I say, I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's okay. But, uh, but then all of a sudden, something clicked in my head, Scott. I'm like, wait a second. The comeback cats are a thing. How did you expect, like, did you expect that to happen last night? I mean, we know the Panthers can score, they can come back, whatever, but this is the playoffs. This is a whole different ball game. I, I, I was more than a little flabbergasted, you know, for the, the reasons that you just point out it. Um, and, you know, I thought the Capitals had done such a nice job, you know, even in, you know, for the most part um, in you know, sort of reducing the ebb and flow of the game to really stop the Panthers from that free flowing, rolling four lines. And we you know how many times do we see it this season where they came from two or three goals down uh, to, to win games. Uh, and I thought, I just thought with the three, nothing lead that the caps were, were exactly where they needed to be. And, and, you know, good on the Florida Panthers, you know, you go back to, the end of game four. And again, the caps have the lead. Uh, Andrew Burnett pulls um, Bobrovsky. What? I think three Oh six. And I remember thinking, wow, like that's, you know, that's the analytics. 
Yeah, and that's we, we what, had that discussion know, that, on Tuesday too. Polling goalies with five minutes left. It's a genius <laughs> idea, Scott. It's just crazy. So you know, and the Caps come this close to scoring in the empty net, and you know, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but now all of a sudden that it, it really does feel as much as you know, there is no such thing as momentum from game to game. I don't believe in the playoffs, but it does feel like the Panthers really sort of found their groove. Yeah, in the latter stages of game five. And it's a monumental task now for Washington to, you know, to you know, once the genie's out of the bottle sort of thing, to 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 reestablish the kind of team defense that we saw, you know, for um, most of the early part of that series. So real, real challenge for the Caps. You know, and they miss Tom Wilson. Let's, you know, people oh, yeah, that's right. hate Tom Wilson, but he's such an important player and he does so many things and you know, it, it, they're just a different team without him in terms of their identity and how they play. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I have a feeling like they can win tomorrow night, Washington can, because it is at home. And we know that the, they, it's not the sea of red of Calgary, but the, the red, red storm, red alert, I forget what they call down there. And the, rock the red, I think. Yes. The, well, they all, yeah. They, all, they, right. They rock the red there at Capital One Arena. But it, yeah, it's, it's, it'd be tough to go back to Florida for game seven and have to win back to back games here. For the Florida Panthers chatting up here with Scott Burnside from Daily Faceoff. Be sure to get in the chat, guys, here on the show today and follow us at World Hockey Report at World Hockey RPT. Uh, Scott, of the games we have tonight, we ran them down a little bit earlier on. We talked about Tampa and Toronto a little bit in spades. And obviously Edmonton, you don't think they should be in this position. I'm pretty sure the entire, even Calgary fans, Calgary fans, Calgary fans are probably even saying the same thing. But who tonight gets eliminated in your eyes. Like what a team is the most likely to be going golfing two days from now? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I think I, I did the daily face-off show today. And so Frank Cervalli, he put me on the spot and I think the Leafs will win tonight. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy, obviously. Um, with the Bolts are 16 and 0 following up uh, playoff losses. So, it's a lot of history to, to uh, digest there, but I think the Leafs come up big tonight. I think Carolina, I did, um, I do some content for them and I was in Raleigh for games one and two and they looked horrible in losing back-to-back games in Boston. Um, but I thought got really back into their groove in a decisive game five victory. I think they're going to, I think that they can keep, that going I think that they can play their game and that's a real difficult test for Boston they just don't have the depth that Carolina has so uh, I would say uh, here's my prediction that Toronto and Carolina close things out and that Edmonton and Minnesota prolong their their series that's and normally when I make these predictions it's completely backward so that's this should be good for Kings fans and for uh, St. Louis Blues fans, so. Well, I, I can tell you what. I, obviously, Scott wants an easy Saturday night on the hockey calendar. Can't do four <laughs> games anymore. It's, I, yeah. I will say this, though. Last thing, how do you like the schedule? Because the, the playoffs, like, for the last couple of years, it seems like everyone's complained that every game starts at 7 o'clock or every, every game starts at 7, then all the West Coast all start at 10 o'clock. I don't mind the way the schedule's been this year. Pretty consistent having no extra days off, just bang, 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 four games every night at the same time. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. And there was one night, I think last week where they had both games at seven and I was like, 
what's happening with that? Because I, you get used to, I love the staggered start. You would think it wouldn't be that difficult to do, but I do love that 7, 730, 930, 10, uh, you know, in the Eastern time zone, I think it makes for, you know, you can just roll, you know, when team, you know, that early game goes into the admission, you can switch over. And I, I think it's, to me, it should be a no brainer. Just keep doing that. I, and it's been fun, you know, you know, with both ESPN and TNT back and, you know, obviously this is the first playoff year, you know, certainly for ESPN for many years and first time for T, uh, Turner, sports ever uh it's been fun to watch and it's been interesting as they've you know had to to bring in you know i ran into colby armstrong at the rink this morning he's going to do the um ice level stuff uh, mike mckenna my pal uh did some ice level stuff in los angeles for the king's oilers series it's been fun i ran into shannon hogan in raleigh early in the season in the series uh, so it's been fun to you know it's just been fun to watch both networks sort of amp up their game uh, for the playoffs as well. Yeah, because I, I will admit it got a little stagnant because obviously up in Canada, it's all Rogers. And for the longest time here, it was just NBC. So everyone's like, hey, we're the only place you can watch it. Now it's like it's almost like the old WWF WCW. We have to try to beat the other guy. We got to try to be better, right? It's almost what it seems <laughs> yep. like. Um, uh, last thing here, Scott, I, I got to ask you, because I, I myself, former goaltender, moving into broadcasting, I love you and Mike McKenna. You guys have a nice dynamic you guys got going there. I have to ask you this. Is Mike a better broadcaster than he was a goaltender, or was he a better goaltender than he is a broadcaster? Mm, and that's a pretty difficult question because you know, I'm going to answer it diplomatically. Um, and I met Mike in the year. I spent a year with the Dallas Stars, and Mike was in the uh, Stars organization, got called up at the end of the season when Ben Bishop and Kari Lettinen were hurt. Uh, and so, you know, real he's Mike is – He's so smart and he articulates the game so well. You know, he spent a couple of years in Vegas doing uh, color commentary. And I think he is, I think he is an absolute rising star in the uh, broadcast world. Uh, I'm, I'd be shocked if some team isn't trying to snap him up and, you know, hopefully not pry him away from daily faceoff, but he's that good. Um, and he's turned into a, a fabulous writer. It's, uh, you know, I've yeah, been doing I've it a long time. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He has really, he's really taken to it. And, you know, it's, that's a, you know, not to overstate the craft, but it is, you know, it's, it, it's not everyone can do it and not everyone is comfortable with the, the notion of putting their thoughts, um, you know, in the written form as opposed to speaking. So, um, I, and he was a fine goaltender. And I think, he, you know, you know, he didn't get the NHL exposure that he would have liked, I'm sure. Um, but boy, you know, his career um, gave him so much experience and he was with so many different teams and had the kinds of experiences that he's able to draw on in explaining what's going on in various situations in the games. I just, I love to how he breaks things down. It's not just the goaltending either. So it's, uh, it's been a treat to, to do the podcast with him. We have a ton of fun doing it. So, uh, yes, I'm not going to fully answer your question. He was very good at both. How's that? There you go. Yeah. You know what? It's, uh, he's a good writer. He's smart because, you know, he went to St. Lawrence and that's a t- not an easy school to get into True. for sure. I, I blame <laughs> the fact he caught with the wrong hand. That, that's my, thing. That's why <laughs> I blame him on that one. We've been chatting here with Scott Burnside. Scott's going to be down at Emily Arena tonight. Big game, 7.30 Eastern time, 5.30 Mountain time. Puck drop, Toronto, Tampa. Can the Leafs do it? Scott will be there to tell you if they do so. Scott, thank you very much. Be sure to follow him, guys, at Overtime Scott B. 
Scott, enjoy the game, and we'll definitely have to talk down the line. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Call anytime. It was a ton of fun. Absolutely. You can you can exit out whenever you're good there, Scott. So you can okay. get on with your busy schedule of the playoff coverage. Scott Burnside yeah. from Daily Faceoff jumping on with us here on World Hockey Report. Thank you all very much for joining us today here at War at WHR. Hashtag WHR, excuse me. You gotta drink some more coffee here. My goodness. Two shows a week. It's so hard. Janner, how'd you ever do this by yourself? My goodness. Uh, City Light Project says Cody Lo- Cody Jansen. You mentioned Cody Jansen there. He loves McCarr and Mike Smith way too much. It's okay, City Light Project. Mike Smith might be golfing in about 10 hours, so that'll be a discussion for a different time. But I tell you what, this, this is a good set of games we have here tonight. Um, I'm going to quickly look at the Friday games here. Before, because obviously we got into deep there with the games tonight with Scott. I really like Minnesota-St. Louis. I do agree. I think, I think there is a good chance that all these games tonight go to seven, which will make it very difficult for me because I'm going to be flying from Paris to Mauritius, Paris, France to Mauritius Island, and I'm going to pay an arm and a leg on Air France's system to have Wi-Fi so I can watch the games on my laptop. And you know what? I'm okay with that because I need all of the hockey I can get, right? So, with that, let's look at the games tomorrow night. I Of the games, I think, that are going to go seven tomorrow night. Of the game six is that are going to be forced to game seven. Number one is easily, for me, I, I really, really think the Capitals can win tomorrow night. It's in Washington, D.C. They always play well at their arena. I think they can win. Now, if we're going to go into the discussion of... The other series, I think, Cal- I think, I know it's in Dallas, and Dallas, as we've seen, is pretty loud. I think Calgary can beat Dallas tomorrow night, and I would not be shocked if Pittsburgh calms down because Pittsburgh is at home tomorrow night in Game Six against the Rangers. I know it's without Crosby, but to what Scott and I were talking about just before earlier on, we talked about how they did not, they couldn't, they didn't quickly react. They didn't find a way to to calm down after Crosby left the ice. Now they've had a day to recover. They'll have a morning skate possibly tomorrow. They'll figure it out. They'll say, all right, all right. We can play without them, guys. We we can do this. We've done it before. They did it for parts. Of the, shoot, they did it for the first, like, what, month of the season? They can play without 87 with the mindset going into the game saying, hey, he's not in the Ross. He's not in the lineup tonight. We know what we got to do. So I'm interested to see how they play, how they act. But I do think Pittsburgh gets it done, as do the Flames tomorrow night. Bunch of games, though, tonight, guys. Big games. Once again, 7 o'clock puck drop. Bruins and Canes in Boston. It's been a very homey series. 7 o'clock Eastern time, 5 o'clock Mountain time. And then you have the Leafs and Bulls, 7.30, 5.30. Then at 9.30, 9.30, 7.30, Minnesota in St. Louis trying to keep their season alive. While the Oilers at 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock Mountain time, try to keep it alive against the L.A. Kings and Jonathan Quick trying to turn back the clock. But that is it, folks, for this edition of Thursday's World Hockey Report. I do have to thank a few of our sponsors, though. Do you guys need a new hockey stick? All the big brands keep raising their prices, making the game more unaffordable than ever before. But you don't have to fall for that. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a true Canadian company with real morals, offers players of all levels a top-of-the-line stick at a fraction of the cost. Lighter, more balanced, and more customizable options than anything off the rack. Check out the family-run business today at ProRock.com. Also, do not forget, you can find the best player tracking information on Quack Stats. Follow them on social media and go check out their website and app, to, app store today for more on Quack Stats. 
and also, guys, I know we didn't have one last night. I know we had one in, in uh, game four between Caps and Panthers. But, oh, shoot, we had one L.A. and, oh, and Edmonton the other night as well. Do you guys want to win some cool stuff? Well, Stanley Cup playoffs means WHR OT Challenge, World Hockey Report OT Challenge, back with player this year. So whenever a playoff game goes to overtime, you have to hop on Twitter, at World Hockey RPT if you want to follow us, and be sure to pick your goal scorers using the hashtag WHROTChallenge to be entered to win awesome World Hockey Report prize pack from player. Hammer down on hashtag WHROTChallenge to win. So, I don't, man, what game could go game? What game could go to overtime tonight? That would be a, a very fun way to end a series. Overtimes that end series are just so detrimental, right? Like the one I remember the most, and this is coming once again from a goaltender. 2012, Game Seven, Washington, Boston, in Boston. This was the defending Stanley Cup Bruins taking on a Braden Holtby with his Hershey Bears pads in the Washington Capitals. That was the Dale Hunter Washington Capitals too. And Tim Thomas had this thing where he just wanted to get, he always wanted to just get off the ice after an overtime goal. He did that in 2011 as well. Remember the Andrew Burnett goal, the wrapper. I just skate, kept trying to get back in net, missed it, just kept skating off the ice. Watching Tim Thomas have to stop himself from skating off the ice for the handshake line after Joel Ward picked up that Mike Knubel rebound. That was a great way to end the series. Just to see Tim Thomas think, oh, let's get out of here. We got, oh, wait, we lost. That's right. We're done. It just, it was the, it, it was like, mwah. it was a perfect way to end that series. The way Washington, the underdogs knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champions. So that is it, folks, for this edition of World Hockey Report. As always, guys, did you miss any of the show today? It's okay. Do not panic. Number one, on demand right here at World Hockey RPT. Number two, on YouTube at the Hockey Podcast Network. And number three, if you don't feel like watching me sip iced coffee, which is done as of now. Wow, the sugar went all the way. Look at this thing. Can you guys see this thing? That is just sugar at the bottom of the glass. It th- That stuff just sunk on me. Anyways, I probably have to pour some more milk in that thing to finish that up. Have some sweet, have some sugar milk. That's exactly what my wife needs. Uh, no, but if you guys miss any of the show, be sure to check us out, though, as well. And your favorite podcatcher, wherever you get your podcast, your favorite podcast app, the Hockey Podcast Network helps us out. They take the audio, they put it out to the world for you guys. World Hockey Report, search us at your favorite podcast store, I guess, podcast app, wherever it is. You can listen to us while you're driving, running, walking the dog like I do, whatever. Check us out at World Hockey Report. But that is it, folks, for this edition of World Hockey Report. Thank you all very much once again. Thank you very much for Pete Weber for stopping by, part of the Nashville Predators, as well as good old Scott Burnside from Daily Faceoff jumping on as well. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you next week. Cody Jansen, all three shows, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I might call in. We'll have to see what time it is there in Mauritius. But we'll be talking playoffs and round two starting next week here on World Hockey Report. Thank you all guys very much, and we will see you next time. Goodbye.